0: prophecy This is Young Ecclesia Nation. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration. Pastor God bless you. everything Okay, so back to our um a concept of elders all right we said a lot about elders and one of the things that we have been discussing about elders is that being or growing to become an elder is supposed to be like a child who wants to become an adult it's like a child who says i'm tired of being a child i can't wait till i right? Do things for myself. Everybody has such aspirations, such ambitions in life. Uh, I don't want to be cooped up and caged and being told what to do all the time. I want to be able to um, have my own house. I want to be able to move around. So you are literally prisoners in your homes. I want to move around. I want to have the freedom that I have not had before. Now, the thing about freedom is that freedom tends to come with responsibility are you seeing that let me say it again freedom tends to what come with responsibility And, and i'll give you a very good example if you want the freedom to go out anyhow at any point in time do whatever you want to do then you might as well take care of your own security if you want the freedom to do whatever you want go out anytime then you should also have the responsibility of securing yourself which is why you have parents who keep you inside because they want to keep you safe and so the same thing in scripture we actually see that when you start out as a believer you're going to have a lot of restriction you're going to be under somebody you're going to be told what to do all the time you're going to be doing a lot of things but the goal of it is to breed you or build you to a point where you are Responsible, where you are trained, where you, the things that they've been telling you to do by do, pray, fast, come for meeting, all those things. You get to a point whereby you are now, what's the word? You are now used to those things. You are now, you do those things without being told to do them. You are now, like, you can now bear personal responsibility. You see the value in those things, and you do them without being told. And so, it's when you get to that place whereby they don't need to tell you those things anymore. You have gotten them into your system. You have seen a person, a reason to do those things, and you are doing them consistently. And they've tested you here. They've seen you are good. You were responsible, tested you, tested you, tested you. It now gets to a point where they say, you know what, this person, I think this person is ready. And so, what they do is they now give that person more responsibility. A great man once said, the the reward for work is more work. The reward for labor is more labor. So, if God sees you fit, sees you responsible, what he will do is give you more responsibility. If God sees you responsible for yourself, he will give you responsibility for others. And that's a very, very, very serious thing, very grave thing that every believer should aspire towards. Everyone should aspire towards that. Now, of course, these responsibilities tend to vary. For example, the vast majority of believers are going to be called to take responsibility under or within the responsibility of their pastor. So you become a co-labor with your pastor. For most believers, this is what's going to happen. But there'll be exceptions. Some people who the Spirit of God will lead a way to start something separate, to take responsibility separately. They will be sent on an assignment, on an apostolic assignment to, I mean, maybe Mozambique, for example, yes, or China, right, or Russia, Ukraine, you name it. Just send somewhere to extend the family of God, all right? But the point is that whether God is sending into to Mozambique or the Sahara, or God is telling you to stay put and sit down, one thing is certain, that God sends out those he trains. Let me say it again, that God what? Sends out those he trains. Many people look at Paul, and they just for some reason feel like Paul just magically... Uh, just magically began to do anything, but they don't know. Paul went through training, Paul went through a bunch of training. Paul wasn't just sent out, Paul was trained to go right. see so, I can find it. Paul was trained to go. Uh, let me see. Oh, yes, Acts. Okay, yeah. So, look at this, let's let's go there, Um, so Acts 11, verse 26, verse 26, let's read verse maybe 25, or from verse 19, let's see from verse 19, so The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So they sent who? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now notice this. They sent who sent Barnabas? Barnabas is sent, was sent by who? The church. All right. This same Barnabas is the one they called Son of Consolation, is the one who sold land and or the property or land, and then he brought the money to the apostles. So he's someone that was being trained by the apostles. By this point, they what? Sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now they were that means now look at this. So you had the believers who were scattered and they were preaching the word of God. Uh, some of them got to Antioch, if you can see that. Some of them got to Antioch, they were preaching, and then they were going, preaching, going, preaching, going. And a great number, many people got saved. So the work that the these disciples were doing, these were disciples, they were. All in a church. They were being trained. They were, be, they were disciples. They were not pastors at that point. They were not elders. But what happens is that because of their training, when they left the Jerusalem, because of persecution, they continued preaching. They continued, right? They continued preaching. They continued teaching. If you understand that, they continued preaching. They continued teaching. And So, what that led to, all right, what that led uh, to was that many people now got saved. A lot of people got saved. I've seen that. A lot of people now got what? Saved. And the result of these people's salvation now required. um, So, with many people getting saved, the apostles now, what what they do? They send Barnabas to Antioch. So the reason, that, again, they can send Barnabas to Antioch is because Barnabas is mature. Are you seeing that? Barnabas is what? Is mature. They won't send a baby to Antioch. They send Barnabas to Antioch because Barnabas is mature. All right? I don't know if is, is this font okay for you guys. Should, we, should I increase the font? Yeah. So I can increase my, change my settings a little. All right. Okay. Alright. So, now. So, the same Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to what remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were what added to the Lord a great many were added to the Lord so keep noticing these credentials he was a good man so when you see like in where well, we read in Timothy or Titus where they say he must be a an elder must be blameless. For example, he was a good man, had of good reports. People, it's not just you that thinks you are good. Many people around you also think you are good. as well you know you're a good man. Many people around you think you're good. So he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing that? Full of the Holy Spirit means that he was he he was given to utterance, he was you know full of faith. That means his man walked in the supernatural, right? And A great many people were what? Added to the Lord. So, one of the things we can see here is that when somebody who is trained is sent, there will be evidence, there should be evidence, so when you'll be sent. There's a massive problem if you are comfortable with sitting in church and not anticipating via the trainings you are receiving, the sending that will come. It is Normally, it is natural to, to desire, you know, the Bible says, if anyone desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So it, it's, it's very noble to have that desire, and I think it should be normal to have that. I know there are people that usually say, and I know a bunch of them that will say, ah, that they were not looking for the call, you know. They were not looking for whatever, the thing found them, and I understand what they're saying, If you especially if you're someone that God is sending to start a new work. But that wasn't the same with me. For me, I always desired to be used of God in immense ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you're ambitious and you, for example, you feel like God must give you a separate ministry or a separate church. That you must not serve under somebody. That's where there's a problem. But we see clearly that when a man is trained and is sent, when a woman is trained, they should be sent. That's the natural progression of things. And so that means your faith, you must be having progress. You know, you've heard this word progress in the faith, progress in the faith, progress in the faith. your pro- What does that mean when you say progress in the faith? There must be a progression, there must be movement, and that movement should be growth. You find yourself getting more stable, getting more, um, getting more trustworthy, getting more responsible, learning much more. You get like, you find out that you are, you are, you're not where you used to be as a Christian, and and let me say this: that as a Christian, your your life shouldn't be it shouldn't be wish washy You should be moving. You should be progressing. It should be moving. it should be what progressing. For this Barnabas, so look at this: a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look Saul. Now remember that Saul. This is Saul or Paul. All right. He didn't become Paul. Saul, who is Paul, both are his names, all right. And he went to look for Saul. Saul, prior to this, had already been preaching around, had been evangelizing. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're talking about if, and this is actually the standard that if, when a person gets saved, they should actually like start to, they should actually start to evangelize like as soon as possible. They should begin to evangelize reach out to their their friends and family and and that's normal we're talking about training for the work of ministry he gave some apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for what for the perfect in the training of the saints so what do the apostles do what do the prophets do? the evangelists the pastors the teachers what do they do they train perfect the saints for the work of ministry so in other words an elder is one given the responsibility to prepare the younger or let me use the word disciples, disciples in training, ministers in training for the work of ministry because they have been prepared already, they have been matured. So their work is to prepare the others. Are you seeing that their work is towards to prepare the others? So he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to where Antioch. Now he brought him to Antioch. Yes, for a whole year. For a whole year. Why? Because you don't rush ministry anyway. For a whole year. So, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So, Barnabas went to look for Saul. He brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church. And what they do? Because at this point, you can see that Paul has already received training. They taught a great many people. They what? They taught a great many people. So what do, what do elders do? They teach. They teach. And which is why we are going to have an entire school on teaching. They teach. My major function to you is to teach. Simon, do you love me more than this? You know I do. It says, feed my lambs. Teaching is a major aspect of what you do. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. So, what are you? What are you? I'm not a teacher. So, what are you? Teacher is a function. The difference between the person who just becomes a Christian and you is that you have matured into it that we can trust you at that point to not make some very silly errors. Are you seeing that? Because you've been trained. That's the point. That's just the difference. So it says, "...they taught a great many people, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians." Notice that disciples, the people who were being taught, the disciples, because you see the, the road map to being an elder is to be a disciple first if you are no disciple you can never be an elder because a disciple is being trained to be an elder are you seeing that a disciple is being what trained to be an elder so a disciple you must understand who a disciple is and i think that's what we'll do after this particular one we're going to looking at discipleship Or who a disciple is, what a disciple does, all those things, discipleship, discipleship one-on-one. You're going to see the marks of it because there are things to look out for, which we already started looking at anyway. But disciples. So the Antioch, the disciples were first called was Christians, which usually um, it's historically said to be a derogatory term, just meaning little Christs. Now, in those days, prophets, now look at this, look at 27 watch this what did they do in 26 in 26 they what taught a great many people right i want you to take note of this in 26 they what they taught a great many people verse 27 now in those days it says now in those days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch now in your head you may start to think you know that thing that you like to think you know that prophet That thing. Uh-huh. In those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in of glorious. So there are many what? Prophets. Now, in your head, again, as I said, you need to destroy and demolish this idea in your head that when they say prophets, they are saying these, for example, you know how you had the prophet Samuel, right? Prophet Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. Switch that word. He was. What was he? Prophet. Samuel was a what? A prophet. Samuel was a nabai. Samuel was a spokesperson. And I've explained to you that as a spokesperson, or a spokesperson of who? of God. In other words, Samuel was a representative of God. So Samuel was one that stood in the council of God, heard what God was saying. He represented God, and he would come and and tell the people. Are you seeing that? So there was Revelation. That's why many times you see that the so-called prophets, because the idea is that if I'm representing God, I will say what he puts in my mouth to say, but I will also demonstrate abilities that can only come from him. That's the idea of prophet. That's why you see that people, for example, Abel is called a prophet. You see, you have to have a holistic idea in your head about these things. Abel is called a prophet. Abel is called a prophet. Maybe we can crisscross there before we <laughs> come back here. Right? Abel is called a prophet. Okay. Luke, I think it's Luke 11, 50 to 51. Let's see. 49. Therefore also the wisdom of God said I will send them what prophets and apostles some now what is the what is the context the the, the context is actually the hypocrisy of the Pharisees right the hypocrisy of the Pharisees now 49 therefore also the wisdom of God said I will send them prophets and apostles some whom they will kill and persecute so that the blood of all, now notice, all the what? prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against the generation. Okay, still thinking of. Now, verse 51, what does it say? From the blood of Abel, Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. So, you see, Abel is called a prophet. Are you seeing that? Abel is called a prophet. Not just that, Moses is called a prophet. Look at Genesis twenty verse seven. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Are you seeing that he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, you know you shall surely die. Why is he called? It? Why is now? Let me ask you a question. Did you? How many quotes, signs and wonders? First, let's start with Abel. Which recorded sign and wonder is there of Abel? Which recorded prophecies are there of Abel? Which ones? <laughs> which, what, what, which recorded signs and wonders? Like, you know this whole uh, prophetic idea in your head. Which one is recorded for Abel? But well, it's called a prophet. Why? Because the word prophet is the word Nabai, all right? Nabai, it's the word Nabai, and it just means he's a what? He's a spokesperson. So, if we move out of ESV and go to a KJV Plus. What's prophet? Nabai, have you seen that? Nabai. In a sense, Adam would have been a prophet as well. Why? Because Adam was a spokesperson. So, when we say that, like, when we, I'm saying that because, you see, by the time you go into the Old Testament, they can't be calling the concept or idea of a prophet in the New Testament is being gotten from the same Bible they were reading in the New Old Testament. Are you seeing that? So look at this. Deuteronomy 13 verse 3. So from verse 1, if, if there arise among a prophet or a dreamer of dreams. And gives you a sign or a wonder. So one thing that they would do is they would give a sign or wonder. Signs and wonders would follow, right? Because we, if you say you represent that God, then you have to be able to show that you represent the God. So signs and wonders. And the sign of the, or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spoke unto you, saying, "Let us go." Now look at this. So now, signs and wonders are not the only things that showed that this person was from God. And, and you know why? Because there were other people there, if you remember Supernatural Rebellion, you know that there are other gods, there's Molech, there's all these other guys who are all craving worship and who also have their own prophets. Baal, for example, had his own prophets, 450 at the time of Elijah. And so they're all representing their God and they're all speaking on their God's behalf. And so he saying that if this person comes and shows you a sign of wonder, and it comes to pass, maybe a prophetic word, and what he said happens. He says, and then he now says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Because remember, I said there were other gods. All right? There were other Elohim in the land. There were other gods. The ones from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 32, worldview, right? Remember? Um, Genesis 11, Deuteronomy 32, and and all that. So, if he says, go after these other gods, he says, you shall not listen to the words that that prophet of that or dreamer of dreams speaks, for the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart or your soul, right? And that prophet, verse 5, shall be what? Put to death. That prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be what? Put to death. Because that thing that he's dreaming is <laughs> nonsense. Have you seen that? Shall be put to death. So, it's just telling you clearly, right, that a prophet is one who is a representative. He represents. That's the idea. He represents. So I'm saying that so that you, on the, and, and the only, the major difference was that, like in those days, yes, it was this selection. There would be this specific person with a specific calling to do that. So we don't dispute that. But even with that, they were usually trained. You don't just put someone, there people as you know just came started talking no they were trained are you seeing that they were trained so that's who a prophet is so when we come back to acts the book of acts you now start understanding when we say prophet that mystical idea in your head disappears you know some of you maybe they've told you "Ah, i are gonna be a prophet in those days i used to do that a lot you know and people used to, I used to do that a lot ah they're going to be prophets functioning in this, that, 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 And then you now be, oh God, that thing has damaged a lot of people. Because you now have people who are looking at, ah, and what's my own? What's my own? What's my own? And you had the ones feeling like they don't have, they don't have, they don't have. They don't have. What's my own? They don't have. What's my own? That's, that's done a lot of damage. A massive, massive disservice to the body of Christ. Right? So, but look at it. So he says that there were what certain prophets. Let me see that. Yes. So okay. So let's let's go to that twelve. Seven. Now in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, right? Prophets. So another word for this would be elders. And we're going to see something that where there is a distinguishing or separation of these people is in number one, in the function that they are carrying out at that particular time. And number two, the special grace of God upon the life of certain people. That's why you start having uh, distinctions. For example, if you read, um, that should be, yeah, that should be Romans 12. If you go to Romans Romans 12 you see it where it says verse 3 it says for the grace for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among you not you ought not to think or everyone among you not ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that god has assigned so in other words god has what assigned the measure of what the measure of faith and i'm going to see that grace and faith have a lot to do with each other for as one body, in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So notice they all don't have the same word, function, all right? So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that they differ. So notice having what? Gifts. All right, that differ according to the according to what the grace given to us. So what's he dealing with here? He's talking about gifts that are endowed by grace. In other words, these are things that are irreplicable. It doesn't mean people will not do these things, but it just means that you would recognize in the lives of believers that that there are certain things that are just given to them, gifts, in the sense that these things are charisma. These are things that are just grace to function to do a particular thing. That's going to be the difference here. So it says, according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So you see, faith now becomes that separator. One of the things you will notice that such people is that they are, will I use the word faith or confidence in that thing? Because of the grace of God given to them, there's an ease that comes and there's a boldness that comes to do that thing that they are doing. So you have here, for example, prophecy. That means everybody prophesied, but there are going to be people that are going to be graced to prophesy they are going to be when they stand in that uh function all right so in that case for example we saw those people They said they were prophets that came down from jerusalem to antioch so at that point the capacity that god was working in them consistently was in the capacity of prophets in the sense of nabai you know nabai that's people who speak inspired words on behalf of god and so, that is elders who were coming to do that function of prophecy. Now, it says here, and we're probably going to use Agabus as a case study for that. It says if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now, if you remember Agabus, Agabus is the one who prophesied at that point that there was going to be a famine. Now, he wasn't the only one. There were others that came with him from Jerusalem. And he said they were all prophes- That means all of them had the same capacity. The only difference is that you probably see that Agabus has a grace to move in this more consistently. His grace is there's an ease, and they like when he moves, people just this one is the hand of God. There's this kind of separation in that sense because the same Agabus that you now see when Paul is, is on his last missionary journey, the way he says none of these things move me, actually, Acts 20 or so, and he says that he feels bound to go by the Spirit to Jerusalem. When Agabus sees him, right, when Agabus, Agabus sees him, Agabus, right, the Bible says that Agabus says he takes his belt and then ties his hand or takes, I think, Paul's belt or his own belt and ties his hand and says, Thou said the Lord that the person that, you know, I think has his belt, this is how he's going to be. Right? So, again, you see that prophetic action being carried out by Agabus you know, in the life of Paul. So you see a a consistency. Are you seeing that? There's a kind of consistency in his life in that area. Now, this does not mean that other believers cannot prophesy. This does not mean that there are no other prophets. But you see that Agabus seems to be consistently used in that area. But the same Agabus, you notice Agabus is also pastoring. Agabus is also teaching. Agabus is also traveling because he says that they came down. If you look at that text, it says what uh oh, sorry, that was uh Romans, no, sorry, that was Acts, right? And it tells us that they came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So either they came down or they were sent, most likely sent. So you see, he was carrying out that role of a of an apostle where he was sent, came down. So the point is it's not that he will not but you will find out that there are people that are probably consistently used. In that function of a prophet, other everyone can, form, but they will be consistently used in that area. A good example is Papa Hagen, Kennedy Hagen, right? So the way Ken H- Hagen was led, he was led to pastor for, and he pastored and taught for about twelve years. About twelve years, and then the Lord said, "This is the last church you pastor." In his own case. And let me say this these are exceptions, they're not norms. His own case, God said to him, Notice what I'm saying, because some of you, is this hibiscus flower that you have here. The Lord said to him, spoke to him that he should transition or move from that and begin to have meetings. Have meetings. So he became more like an itinerant preacher going around and having, you would hold these meetings and programs. and, And that's what he did till his death seen that he wasn't now pastoring a church again he was doing that and that was because that was a function of the lord jesus christ and then he seemed to be much more used consistently in the area of prophecy prophet of course prophecy and teaching throughout his entire life but the point is the lord is the one who set him in that do you get what i'm saying the lord is the one who set him in that and by the spirit of god by the function of your pastor, the local church, or through your pastor, in local church, the Lord can actually move you and set you into things. But the point is, everybody, right? Let me let me show you another text. Or oh, am I jumping too much? We okay, can come back to Romans twelve. But let me show you, let me show you another text uh, where he says, "Okay, that's Romans 12. So we're, we're picking. In between Romans 12 and, and Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians, actually it's 14. If therefore the whole church comes together and speaks in tongues and outside of the unbelievers enters, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, notice this if all, notice all, did you see that? All prophesy, if all, all, all prophesy, all prophesy, are you seeing that? Now, notice the prophecy. All prophesy, and an unbeliever outside enters. He is committed by all. He is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. So that means that every believer can operate like this. Do you see that? Now, look at verse 26. What then, brother, when you come together? Each one, did you see that? Each one, not some, but each one has what? A hymn. Right? Each one has a revelation. Each one has a tongue. Each one has an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So each person can come and operate in the things of the spirit. Now, this is a believer's meeting, right? So everyone here is a believer. That means you're gonna have different kinds. There's the mature, the mature the disciples that the mixed, it's not everyone who is mature. Now he says, if any speak in to- a tongue, let it be two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. So one or two people will speak in tongues, and then somebody will interpret. But the person speaking and interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silence in the church, and speak to himself. And so do. Ah, I feel like teaching uh, tongues and interpretation now. Uh, I feel like teaching tongues and interpretation. Let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. I love tongues and interpretation. Ah, uh, Kiapa. Let two or three... Pro- now look at this. Now notice, notice the change in tone. You can all prophesy. You can all prophesy. You can all prophesy. Right? You can prophesy one by one. Look at verse 31 for you can all prophesy one by one. So you can may all learn and be encouraged. I really want to teach this. So that you may all what oof. Okay, so that you may all what learn and all be encouraged. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. You may all learn woof, and be encouraged. Okay. Now, O Mama Heba, now it says, "Let two or three prophets speak. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said." Right? So you you see a switch from just saying you can all prophesy and say, "Let two or three prophets speak." Did you see that? Let two or three prophets. That should be verse. 29, let two or three, what prophets or let the prophet speak, okay? So, in other words, here again, I seen prophet as inspirational, but the difference would now be, right, when he says, let two or three prophets speak, is that those prophets would be the mature ones among them. Because before this, what did he say before? If there be no one to interpret, let each one keep silent in the church and speak to each to God. And he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what he said. So uh, there is a kind of distinction in the sense of their maturity, in the sense of their words, their maturity. Why look at the verse before? It says, Let them speak in tongues and let them interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let each of them what keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. For 29, let two or three speak, prophets speak. So you can see a distinction that they are prophets and why they are called prophets is because they are mature in utterance. They are mature in prophecy, in the prophetic. They are mature. Oh, glory to God. They yeah. are able to so they'll have mastery, right, over their utterance. If you get what I'm saying. Eh? Right? So that that actually becomes so that that becomes a a a distinction there. But let's quickly hop back to Romans so that we don't miss out on the good stuff that is. In Romans, Romans twelve, right. So, having gives the of grace according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith in service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching. Are you seeing that? So there are people that will be that will, will be graced in teaching. That is, they are going to know there is a grace even in teaching as a way that the spirit of God works with this person. That is just unique and all that. There's going to be uniqueness to everybody. The one who exhausts in the donation, the one who contributes in his generosity. So that means even there is even a grace to give, and we even saw that in First Corinthians uh, eight or Second Corinthians eight, where it says talks Paul actually the exhortation says that there is actually a grace to give, and it he says it clearly that this grace is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and actually says that it can be taught that by teaching that that thing can increase. And so I would I would say this that the grace of God can also be imparted. For example, if there's a person who is graced in a particular area via the teaching of the Word of God, that grace can increase in the lives of the believers. That grace can multiply, can get better. In other words, you can keep getting better in the Christian thing. You can keep getting better as you are taught, as you are trained, you should get better. It says the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Have you seen that? So definitely 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 so all this well all this with my role needs to go back to uh that should be acts chapter 11. the whole Agabus thing because i want you to banish this idea from your head of of this title thing that they gave you when you were born again this title thing and give you I'm a prophet calm down you're not the only one there are many of us right All we just may see is that there will be consistency in the way the Spirit of God works with you, a grace, all right, in the way the Spirit of God tends to work with you in that area. Any believer will function in that area, but there will tend to be grace on you to consistently walk in that. You seen that? Yeah. (laughs) That's the truth. So, so, Agabus foretold, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So, the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So, did you notice this? The disciples, this is even interesting. Right, so disciples, so this is Antioch, disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders. Notice that word elders again. Sending it to who? The elders. Which elders? The elders were in Jerusalem. Or Judea, actually. Judea is... Jerusalem, just say, is the capital of Judea by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So, which is also I mean quite interesting because you would say this is relief, right? This is this is relief. This is okay benevolence. But they send their pastors. Their pastors are the ones who are sent. So that means the church can send you, (laughs) in a sense. Uh, So we head over to verse 13. So, remember what we saw in Acts 11, that Paul and Barnabas came and taught many, and then you now had this second group that came, and why, they call them prophets, why? You see, it because Agabus came with inspired words. Right? And there's a text I'm looking for. Let me see if, if I can find it okay i cannot find it i think it's way way later so anyway so now they were in the church at antioch prophets and teachers how come they are prophets and teachers well it says it clearly they were teaching and they were with inspired words With prophetic words. What what is prophecy for edification, exhortation, comfort? First Corinthians 14. And so they were operating with that and edifying, building up the people, both with what with teaching and inspired words. And that's why you see that you are you are not just supposed to to teach your people, you're supposed to also with inspired words, with exhortations, build them up. So, you can see clearly, Barnabas, so now notice the names, Barnabas, right, prophets and teachers. I thought Barnabas was also just, just teaching, but they are called what, prophets and teachers. Why? There's a combination. And the Holy Ghost said, set it apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have what? Call them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent so you can see it's it's been a it's it's been a journey, right? The thing did not just fall on Saul. Because I'm really intent of help seeing helping us trace this Saul's thing. Right. I think it's as early as uh let's see, when did Saul come into the picture? Yeah, uh, Stephen was stoned in Acts 7 in Acts 8. I was Philip, 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 Philip. So Acts nine. So literally Acts nine is Acts eleven. We are just reading or Acts thirteen. Acts nine is where Saul comes into the picture. See, he comes in the picture. So why persecuting me? So let's. I want us to just trace Saul's journey a bit, because some people also feel that the guy just fell from heaven as well. And oh. so now look at this. This is Saul though. This is so. Ananias is given a vision. Alright, so you can see visions are not things like just because you had a vision doesn't make you one man of God. Because this is even Ananias. Ananias is called a in fact, what is it? Now there was a disciple. I think some versions will say a certain disciple. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Right? There was a disciple. They didn't even call him a, they didn't call him an elder. He wasn't an elder, he was in training. All right, Lord sent the vision, and I said, "Here I am, Lord." Lord said, "Rise up and go to the street called Straight, and the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man." So notice that Saul, who does go born again, saw what a vision as well. So don't glorify visions and make them something that is is unattainable or something that is for for mass. No, believers should have visions. There are those different types as well. And consciousness also opens some of these things up as well. And I've seen a man called Ananias come and what? Lay hands on him. I've seen a man called Ananias come and what? Lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias and said, Lord, I have heard about how this man, how, of this man, how much evil he has done for your saints. And here, the authorities is given to him, the chief priest, to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how much they must suffer for the sake of my name. All right. So now, fun enough, let me even note. Let me let's note something. You see, this Gentiles, these kings to carry my name before Gentiles and kings. You know, you may hear stuff like this in your vision, or you may be stuff like this being prophesied to you. Oh, you will stand before kings. I will use you to, to, to bring my gospel to the nations to the king. And then your head begins to swear. You cannot listen to authority again. They you come from a meeting, you say, No, i you become a prophet or an apostle. He sent one. It will interest you to know that this vision of Gentiles and kings, because but when we see this happening, is actually Acts 26. I think. I think Acts 26. This is Acts 9:15, please remind me of that. But let's see, Acts 26, I think, verse 18. So he's relaying his vision to King Agrippa. He says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified. Right? So this is actually where he's talking or uh, so you can see he he relays now look at this he says then therefore o king agrippa i was not disobedient to the heavenly vision so is talking about what's talking about he's talking about the vision in acts i think as acts what we just read acts nine or so the vision he had or what god showed him that, he was, that you know he said that he will stand before kings now he's before a king so you can see that his vision. This is Acts twenty six, and we're reading Acts. Uh, Acts about I think it was that was nine right? It should be nine, and that's Acts literally Acts nine verse. What fifteen? Acts nine verse fifteen. So you see how long? Uh, literally twenty six from fifteen to what, to 26, how long it took him to get to that place. And, when, I went, and by the way, let me even say this. When he got there, it was to suffer. <laughs> it wasn't this glamorous. There's we think about these things. And you know, in your own version of this, this matter, it is that by the time you're talking to the kings of the earth, you are in one private jet, relaxing, the AC blowing, you are a billionaire pastor with some champagne in your hand, and then you lean over and there you see Bill Gates. You lean over, you see the Prince of Saudi Arabia, and you share the gospel with him while this is blowing your head and all that. You know, there's this funny idea we have that things will happen now, but this is Paul. You know, that was Paul has, at this point, we can say that Paul has blown. We can say Paul has literally blown, but the way Paul has blown is not the way that you like to blow. Are you seeing that? So, how much you will suffer? And then he comes and, and lays hands. So, notice that the first thing as a new believer, new brain Christ, what happens? You have someone called Ananias, a brother who is ahead of him in training. And, and let me say this, because sometimes this is the way we think about these things. At this point, Ananias is ahead of him. Now, we know Paul or Saul would grow to become this person that would be known all over the Christian world and all that stuff. But you know the funny thing about it? Paul himself will say, I am what I am by the grace of God. So we see all that stuff that to be the biggest name out there. What is most important is to, is to be what God told you to do, you know what became of him. But it doesn't mean that Anais didn't do things now. In fact, let me even say this to you, that the book of Acts was written mainly about Paul. Because it is said that the book of Acts historically was a defense when Paul was in prison in Rome. That it was written by Luke, as it definitely brings all this understanding to us. And so that's why we know Paul today. But point, you have to think differently about those things. Stop thinking. The way we think about that is very unhealthy. There's this competitive kind of one day, you know, there's this blowing mindset in Christ or blowing mentality in Christ that one day I will blow. One day I will be this and that in Christ, no? So you want to be an apostle. Paul says that we apostles are put last. It seems like we are put last in a procession. That we are killed all day. That is that we suffer so much. Because anything you, are, anything you are doing in Christ is a call to responsibility and a call to suffer. A call to actually go deeper in God. A call to, to risk more. A call to give more. A call to surrender more. A call to become more. To lay down more. The Bible says a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the idea. Become an elder is to grow in God, to become more sacrificial. That's the idea. It's not to gloat or, or have glory or, or I'm over this amount of people. No, that's not it. It's a very, it's a poisonous idea that we have. It's a very poisonous idea. God is not asking us, it's not to to gloat over how how big we are and all that. So this same Saul, right, with his, so he goes and then he begins to, if you look at verse um <clears throat> verse 20, and he merely began to proclaim the name of Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. And all head were amazed and Saul increased all the more in strength and like companion Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Then many days had passed, Jews probably to kill him but they plot began him to Saul, they were watching him there at night but some disciples took him by night and let him down through and opened the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Alright? So, you can see the next thing he sought was, he sought fellowship. He was doing a lot in, in, in that city where he was, in Damascus, but when he came out, he sought fellowship. And look at this. <laughs> look at that. I look at Acts 9 26. And when he had, he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to, attempted, to, attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid, of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple of Christ. So he's in training. He's not an elder, or anything. He's a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Notice there's a distinction between the disciples. They thought he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to who? The apostles. So the major of the full gathering of his disciples, but they were the apostles. All right, why were they called apostles? They are elders. They are sent ones, as the father said, Mr. and You, they are sent ones, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how, on the road, they had seen the Lord. So Barnabas. So look at the, at the event of then. Barnabas is the one that brought him to the apostles. I mean, a, he's not. He was not an elder. Or anything in this place. Brought him. Remember, remember, is the same. This is the same Barnabas that actually come. In fact, by some indication, it's very possible that Barnabas was even ahead of him. It's very, by some indication, it's very possible that Barnabas was even what ahead of him, was ahead of him in the, in the whole thing. Was ahead of him. Was even senior to him. <sighs> Probably, maybe, maybe still in training. So, he says, if you look at it. So it says Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and then declared all that. Verse 28, so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. So we notice, what was he doing? He was doing a lot of evangelism. And this is a template that a new believer should do a lot of evangelism, should preach a lot, should proclaim his faith a lot. That's what we see Paul doing. He's not, at this point, we don't see him doing anything called teaching. Not establish any not do not do any of that the guy is just there's one major activity there's two things learning and sharing your faith learning sharing your faith learning you know, growing praying, and all that, and then sharing your faith these are major things that a disciple is supposed to be doing and he spoke and disputed against the hellenists but they were seeking to kill him so notice he's still evangelism mode And when the brothers learned this, they brought him, so they sought to kill him in the first place, the guy ran, sought to kill him at Damascus, he ran down to Jerusalem, sought to kill him here, so he ran down to Syria, and then they sent him off to Tarsus. So remember that this is where he was when Barnabas later now calls for him, you notice that. So, all the church so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and walking in the of blood and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, it multiplied. So, notice his journey. So, you will now notice that this is what he has been in Tarsus. He is Tarsus, you know, preaching the gospel, evangelizing, and all that. So, by the time we now come to, I think this is nine, this is still Peter, and we come to 11, right, where we leave off, where the journey ends with Peter, and then you come back here. So, at this point, what does he, so what does he uh, do? So he, so we now see that what 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 Paul does that uh, Paul now goes or sorry, Barnabas now goes and picks. What does he do? He goes and he finds Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So that means there's a timeline that has elapsed, and that timeline. Right, they, as that timeline has elapsed, what now happens is that we see that he is now more mature. Paul is now more mature. And so based on that, Paul is now, how will I put it, is now brought in to teach. This is when he begins to teach and establish believers and train them. So you see, my point is that every believer has process. Every believer has what? Process. Nothing can happen without process. There's what process. So we now get back to Acts 13, where you now see, now there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, right? Prophets and who, and teachers, and then we have um, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon. Okay, so they're worshiping the Lord. So and fasting. So notice at this point, Saul or Paul. This is when he is now called what a an elder. In verse one here he is now called or established as an elder here a prophet and a teacher while they're worshipping the lord and fasting the holy ghost said set apart to me panabas and soul for the work for which i've called them you've seen that so there is training there's a lot but this is it's interesting or important to see the development of believers in the scriptures Because you talk about Paul, but how about Barnabas? You see Barnabas also, the development. Then there's also Timothy, for example. Timothy was taken as a young believer and then Timothy develops. So it is a natural, normal thing that should happen to you. That you should develop and be trained to the point where you can be sent. It is, let me say this, your birthright in Christ to grow and become all that God wants you to become. Are you seen that we have statements that like iraq to riches all right and everybody wants that but we should also want the things that god wants for us are you seeing that We should want the things that what god wants for us so an elder simply put an elder simply put Is a compound word for Christian leadership. Those who have grown into ministry responsibility and are what? Examples to the believers. Those who have grown in what? Ministry responsibility and are what? Examples to believers. Because we see that they're supposed to be an example. You know, we've spoken about deacons who are like associates to the elders, they are assistants, basically. The assistants, they're in their days of learning by serving. So, what happens is that disciples grow to a point, and then it comes to a point where there's a kind of separation by the pastor. Where these ones, I think, I should put them in a position where, where they should now start getting ready to actually take over. Once they take over, it means be sent to actually start something, all right. And there are other things that, of course, you don't jump to be another, you should have served as a deacon. Alright, first Timothy 3:10 says it's a time of proving. And then we see the same thing develop with, with Joshua and Moses. So these things are not something just from the new from the New Testament, the Old Testament, you see the same things. For example, Exodus 24, verse 13. Hopefully. Exodus 24. Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain with God. So you see, Joshua was always with him. And then there's even a text that shows that Joshua, the son of Nun, did not depart. And let me just find that here. But Joshua himself did not depart from, and he was always with Moses. So that should be Exodus 33, verse 9. Okay, Exodus 33, verse 9. So now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who saw the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the camp, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses till he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and Moses would speak with God. And when all the people saw the crowd standing and entering the tent, all people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joseph, the son a young man, would not depart from the tent. I think that he would not depart. So, he was an assistant. Now, it would be very daft to make anybody else the leader of Israel. It would be the daftest, if there's a word like that, thing to employ or put anyone else in charge except the person who was trained for the assignment. It would be stupid, stupidity of the highest order to do that for anyone else. This guy was being trained. He was being trained. He was the one that was always in Moses, saw everything that Moses was doing, right? Assisted Moses in all that. And that's why we always say that the road, the road to leadership, In anything, even if you want to be a drug lord, the road to leadership is service. It's to serve the person that that is leading you. Because by service, you will learn what it takes to lead. That's how it works. So I've always said that it's, and that's why you have those people who become dickens. You had the the, the food share. Do you know what it meant that those guys were the food sharers, those guys in Act 6? What it meant that they became food sharers. It meant that they were always reporting to the apostles. Before they were disciples in general congregation, maybe under some, but now they are going to be like brought in to what the apostles are doing. A close eye is going to be kept on them. And they became reports, assisting the apostles, working with the apostles directly. So if you're the kind of person that is proud and you don't like to run around for your pastor, then I'm sorry, you, you won't learn anything. Yes, because a lot of training also happens in formal. Training is not just formal. Training is informal. There's a lot of informality in training as well. There's the formal training like what I'm doing now, but there's also a lot of informality in training where you, you, by being around your pastor, doing things for your pastor and all that, you are learning that many opportunities. So my pastors know because the pastors obviously, so the pastors obviously know that it is, there's no one in the ministry that will know me more than my pastors. And it's a fact. There's no one that knows me more than my pastors. And then the truth is that there's a lot of the training that they receive. It's not just when we have formal meetings, no, but it's by the interaction. And those of them who decide to actually you because you can also be, uh, you can also be on your own mind your own business and all that. But if you are interested in me training, it's, it is actually being by coming around, by seeing me, Certain things that the certain things are shared are things you learn that you will not learn on the by seeing me. Like now, I'm going to have Ignite on Saturday. There are things you will never learn by just seeing me there at Ignite. There are things you will learn by association, by and all that. And vice versa, if I've trained those people, that means there are things that you will only learn from them by your association, by your submission, by your service, by your doing things for them. That, yes, informal association. A lot of training happens by informal association, yes. A lot of it happens that way. And it's wisdom of God. So Joshua assists Moses. Are you seeing that? That's why you see, uh, I think I should read that text about the deacon, where it says, let him be what proven, or let him be tried in the office. So 1 Timothy 3, verse 10. First Timothy 3, 1 Timothy, 3, verse 10, from verse 8, actually. It says, Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or dishonest. They must hold the ministry of the faith with a clear conscience. Because our deacon is what is, is, uh, yeah, it just means to serve wait waiter. And let them also be tested first. Let them, now look at this. Let them be what? Tested first. Someone say tested. Tested. Let them be tried first. You don't just trust people with leadership in local church without trying them or testing them. You prove them. So when, when they say, how is this person? Your pastor should say, ah, this person. No, I have, I have dealt with it. this person is ready.